So welcome along to Leadership Sensei Radio Show. Look, I'm going to do something a little bit different this week. Normally I do my intros without the guests in front of me, but this week I have Mr. Sean Brewster with with me again. Welcome, Sean. I'm back. You are. I'm back. For those that are long-term listeners of the show, you would recognize that Sean was actually on episode number one. And is this 25, I think? This is number 25. The quarter century. Absolutely. Very so, privileged. Thanks for having so me back. So it's a significant one. And uh, so Sean started the, the the radio show with me at the very start of the um, the program. And I've been very fortunate enough to get Sean back uh, for this episode being the last one for the year. So I want to finish off the year with catching up with Sean and where he's been at. So for those that haven't caught up with Sean yet and, and know more about Sean, Sean is a good friend of mine. Um, we've done martial arts together. Sean was actually one of my martial art teachers many, many years ago. We've had a business together. Um, we've done a lot, a lot of things together over mm. the years. Um, so a very good friend and always we always catch up very regularly and we have these great conversations about how to solve the problems of the world. <laughs> um, and some of those are fantastic conversations. There can't be too many left, really, problems, that is, you know, to no, solve. No, we've solved a lot we've of ticked them. ticked off a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And the funny part is neither of us drink, so or don't drink a lot anyway. So, um, it's all coming straight off the top of the mind. It's not yeah, even rubbish, really. That, there's no drill. Right. Yeah. We're actually sober. When we do it, so it's actually it's actually well, pretty good. Well, we think it's good value. Maybe yeah, the, other people listening in might, might not. We'll see at the end of this episode. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah many people tune in and, <laughs> and provide comment back. But one of the things that we talked about in episode one, Sean, was about uh, creating an ecosystem for your business and. I really love that concept because there's a lot of companies who have started to do that and they've taken it global and, and made you know very successful business out of like Apple, Samsung then copied that. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've done a very similar thing with your business and at the time it was a fairly new idea. So I wanted to come back, touch base with that. I know you've had a lot of other projects that you've done during the year and we'll explore those a little bit longer. Sure. But can we just go into this your ecosystem and how you've grown that and what it's meant for your business? Yeah. So I think when we first chatted 25 episodes ago, um, I'd, I'd just been to a, a business course and this, this term building an ecosystem within your business was a, a new way of putting an old idea maybe. I think I've probably seen the, the concept before and I think most of us understand what an ecosystem is but in the context of business it was the first time I'd seen it put that way and it struck me as, as an idea or as a concept, uh, as a construct probably, uh, as something that would be really valuable for what I'm trying to do. So my, my business for those who don't know me is professional development for health practitioners, um, which is a fairly niche space. There's not a many, there's not many companies in Australia, at least, that do that as a full-time thing. A lot of people find themselves running the odd course here and there on the side of what they do yep. in their in their day job, whether it be as a clinician or whatever. And just um, as a shameless plug, it's CEA. That's so right. Continuing Education, Education Australia. Australia. Yep. So we had to shorten it because Continuing Education Australia is just takes too long. And it's especially too, when you yeah, answer the phone. That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, so... Yeah, CEA is the business. So I, my partner, Caroline, when we first got together, she said, like, you're running these courses. I want to be a part of that. Let's do it. Let's let's start a, a new business, a new brand. Um, and I kind of hesitated at first because I thought, well, I've got my brand. I'm doing okay. Like, why would I, you know, break the wheel and then try to fix it? And she convinced me it was a good idea and it was the best idea ever. Yeah. So it was her idea. Uh, and now the day-to-day running of the business is primarily me, but she has a lot of input into um, some of the creation, some of the, the courses that we run and the content that goes into those. Um, so this the, yeah, this idea of an ecosystem kind of struck me as something that could be really a, a great way to differentiate what I'm doing or what we're doing in the business, but also give me a construct to create more value than the average business doing this. So most of us think of education as 
we we provide teaching um, and then outside of that you might provide some resources that people can learn from yes. and then maybe there should be some videos and maybe there'll be some mentoring or some one-on-one stuff like a hierarchy of kind of you know yeah. ascension model of how you work your way up through this education model but i thought what if it was a really holistic approach to providing value and we looked at as many different mediums to deliver that value as possible so i thought well, we do our seminars which are one and two uh, two and three day courses we can do the mentoring stuff we can do face-to-face we can run in services all the stuff that you would do within the education space but really it's about education is about communication it's about bringing value to other people in as many ways or as many useful ways as possible. Um, so beyond the ecosystem idea of having as many, or trying to create a, an environment where everything was there that a person would need, so they wouldn't have to go and look elsewhere for support, um, resources, for uh, help with their business, for guidance in the career, like to bring it all into one place. Um, outside of that, I thought, well, how do we actually do that in a way that reduces the friction of people to consume it? Because not everybody likes to go to face-to-face courses. No, that's true. Not everybody likes to go to conferences. Not everybody likes to learn online. I know I'm not a massive fan of learning 100% online. I'd rather be able to sit in front of someone and ask them questions. I learn by asking questions. Absolutely. That's how I do it yeah, faster. Same, same so, yeah. so I can read a book and go, that's great. But now I just want to clarify some things and I want to ask those questions. So if I can create an opportunity for people to learn and get information in as many ways as possible, reduce the friction of, of that absorption or consumption of the, of the information. It's about removing those barriers, isn't it? It is. Because yep. everyone has their own barrier to, to learning, and what, whatever that might be. It might be price point, maybe online, because they want to do hard copy or they want to do face-to-face. So yep. it's a really good way to bring extra value to people. Absolutely. And barriers, friction, I think we're talking about the same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right, cost is a big thing. So one of the, the, the ways that I saw to reduce the friction was create as many free products and as free resources as possible that I could afford to yeah. uh, for as long as I can afford to do it. Uh, and then off the back of that, see where the need and the desires are for people to then create something that's of more value that they're willing to pay for and happily pay for. Yeah, so this is a question I'd like to do a bit deeper dive with you because it's something that I've always believed, especially with the business coaching that I do, that businesses need to bring more value. And in fact, in fact the more you can, get, you can give away so much value because if you really know your craft and you really know your industry, people will pay for the stuff that you really know. Yeah. Whereas the stuff you give away, most people sort of know it. They just haven't heard about it or you're, you're presenting it in a different way. That's right. And you're saying that you're giving the stuff away for free, which flies mm. in the face of a profitable business. Yep. But you've actually made it work for you. Yeah. And, this, and I, the, the more I looked into our industry, and in fact, any industry, the more I saw examples of where people were doing this as in a bit of an anomaly, mm. but it just works so well. It does. An example that I saw that I've always noted and, and kind of respected was this brand Rock Tape. Some of you will be familiar with Rock Tape. It's kind of that elastic, stretchy tape that athletes use. And you'll see them usually bright colors that cover their body in this tape yeah. and it makes them, you know, pr- reduces their pain, improves their performance, does a whole range of different things. The tape itself is quite expensive to buy and the courses to learn how to use it are quite expensive. But Rock Tape, as a particular brand within that space, took the model of let's create educational videos, teaching people how to do all the stuff for this tape that they would want to learn, and we'll put all of those videos on YouTube for free. They then went and offered courses as well at an appropriate price, yeah. expensive price. People would see, they'd go onto the internet and search uh, kinesiology tape. They'd find Rock Tape because they've got the most resources available, yeah. Google likes that. And so they would find their videos and their resources and they would go, oh, this is great stuff. Rock Tape is obviously the brand to use. 
So I'm going to learn a little bit. Oh, actually, I think I'd like to learn a little bit more. I'd like to get that bit of paper to hang on the wall or get the certificate. Yeah. Which course should I do? Of course, Rock Tape okay. because it's the only brand they know. Absolutely. So if you can be everywhere and give more than everyone, yeah, people will choose you when they're ready to pay money. And in many ways, that is, I guess, part of an ascension model because you know you're doing one to many. So through social media, you can actually reach like millions of people around the world. Yeah. But you become the trusted advisor mm. for many, many people because they're going, who who do I turn to? And like you said, because I got the resources, the resources are actually out there. They've developed and they put them out for free. Yeah. But when people do a search, it's rock tape that comes up. Mm. And now when people do a search for your stuff, it's CEA who comes up. So yeah. you're, you're building a relationship with people and rock tape is a classic example of that they've built a relationship with their market, people I've never met before. And even though they've taught everything for free, people still want that face-to-face because they think, well... There's always more. There is always more because mm. sometimes when you see it on, on YouTube, it's not the same as having someone stand over your shoulder and go, actually, no, just this little bit of an angle here makes all the difference. And like you and I just said before, we learn best through asking questions. Yes. So if I see something on a video, I'm going to be 90-ish percent sure yep. that I can do it, but I want to be sure. Yes. So I need to get in front of that person, pay them the appropriate amount of money and, and ask yep. them the questions and learn it. Uh, and that, that model that I've seen play out in a lot of different areas now just made so much sense to me. And, and you know, I've had conversations even with Caroline, my, my business partner, and we, we just, I'll say, let's do this for free. And she said, no, no, it's too valuable. Let's not give it away for free. And we've, we've butted heads on a lot of things over the, over this time. And eventually, lucky for me, yeah. she's kind of conceded, conceded strategy in our business to me mostly. Yeah. So when it comes to this stuff, I'll, I'll make the decision. And it just it's just made so much sense to me all along. And, and luckily, yeah. it's played out to our advantage yeah. and it was never a matter of let's just try to funnel everybody into our paid gigs it's not like we're just trying to get money it's I just enjoy doing this stuff so much that yeah. I want to do more and more of it all the time yeah. so now we have in our ecosystem we've got our, our courses we started a, a conference this year uh, to be able to reach a bigger audience at a different level uh, we have retreats that we run overseas we're up to our second one next year in Hawaii uh, this year was Bali we run uh, mentoring programs, both for business and, and technique-wise, clinical applications. Uh, we have a, a vlog. We have two, basically two video shows. We've got CEA TV and, and CEA Q&A. So one's yes. an interview-based one, and the other one is a, a Q&A type uh, uh, episode where I, I answer questions or I do it with somebody else. Um, we have a podcast. Uh, we have uh, just this today actually launched our CEA mag, our magazine. Uh, which is an e-mag because we didn't want to contribute to you know, the devastation of rainforest and things. We didn't want to print more, so rather yeah. we produce an old-school publication but in a modern way. Yeah. And this is free too, right? It's completely free. None yeah. of these things are paid for except for the, the courses. All the other resources online, things are free. We don't charge for anything. And that magazine, on the very first release today, has gone to the number one magazine in your industry. Well, yeah, I guess the... the By circular, circulation? This is one of the reasons why I love what we do with our business so much is because you get to be creative in the way you do business. Yeah. And the idea was put to us, let's let's do this magazine. And I my first thought was, no, I don't want a magazine. Why would I want to create all that extra headache and heartache for myself it's a lot of work yeah. it's a lot of work and then the more we thought about it, we thought well we're not going to be writing all the articles no one's going to want to read articles from Sean and Caroline all day we'll get other people to contribute valuable articles that are experts in their area our reach from a you know a database point of view is not huge we've only been in business for two or three two and a bit years so we need to partner with people who've got a bigger reach so we reached out to organizations within our industry that would have a vested interest in being involved in this and we said, no money's going to change hands. We don't want anybody to pay any money, but we'll give you a spot for an ad in the magazine 
in exchange for you sharing this magazine with your database. So we chose, we ended up partnering with seven different organizations. Um, and each of those organizations have a, a reach of anywhere between three and 20,000 email addresses of health practitioners. So it's our audience, it's their audience, it's all the same people. So in the end, we ended up with a, a reach of a little over 50,000 health practitioners, which as far as I'm aware, puts us at the very pointy end of that would of reach with of, of magazines of its kind in yeah. our industry and at least in Australia. Uh, and that's on our first edition. So it's only going to grow from there, yeah. assuming we go well in the future. Um, feedback's been really good. The vet, the articles that everybody contributed was really good. Brett, you've put one in. Thank you. Uh, which yep. was the... Uh, Thanks for asking. The, yeah. No, you're welcome. That was, it was a great article to have one on there on, on business and, and um, around the concept of building a team and having a strategy around uh, building a good culture within your business. Um, so that was really good. And we got a really good wide range of practitioners contributing articles from all different disciplines. So that was, that's been from, you know, from concept to, to publication today was, I think, three months from wow. the day we decided we were going to do it to yeah. having all those people in on board. And it's, and it was surprising. I, I say easy. It wasn't from the, you know, when you look at what we did, it wasn't a small amount of work, no. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it wasn't difficult in that you just had to reach out, ask the right people in the right yeah. way, offer something of value up front yeah. before you ask for that thing. Um, and we took away all the cynicism or the potential kind of you know cynical um, opinions of it by saying no money will change hands, you won't pay for anything. And if you don't like what the magazine looks like, you don't send it out. We'll remove your ad from the magazine before it goes to publish. Um, you don't have to be involved in any way if you don't want to be. Um, the value you're bringing us is your database. Yep. Uh, you make the decisions on it. You can start or stop at any time. So we gave the control back to them. And that's, yeah, and there's a consistent theme for those people who are listening that the consistent theme is value. Mm. So you've gone there with value to them. You've offered them value up front. And then like you said, you put the control back in their hands. It's not like they're handing over their brand, handing over their reputation to yep. an unknown source. Uh, reduce the risk. Yeah. Now, of those seven partners that we had join us in this particular edition, there was three, I think, that I approached that said no. Okay. So out of the 10, that was not too bad. That's pretty good. Uh, we did happen to have one of our partners has a very trusted reputation within the industry and th we were able to leverage their reputation to get more people on board, which was very helpful. And yes. uh, we appreciate that. That's uh, Red Coral, our, our premium magazine partner. Um, so that was a big help, helpful hand, I guess a leg up, in that when you've got someone who already, already has the trust of the other party yes. and they can go on your behalf and vouch for yeah. you. That was a big advantage for us. The organizations that said no, uh, their reasons for saying no were completely understandable is that I think they're a little bit protective of their their brand, yes. their database and their marketing strategy wasn't in line with ours. Yeah. So of course you don't argue with that, you say fine. My hope is that I'll be able to then show them the finished product and say, look, here it is. Yeah, That may change their mind, it, won't, it may not, who yeah. knows? Um, everyone's got to do things for their own reason, but. For us, it just seemed like too good of an opportunity for the industry, for us to yes. offer value to the industry, not to give it a try. So here we are, we and, have our first edition. And I think the important part in all that, this is new, this is new content. Mm. Well, it's not, you're, you're not recycling a podcast or you're not recycling some videos that you've put together. And like you've put a lot together, you've, put, you've provided the industry so much value. It's not like you're just collating that all up and then putting it into a magazine. This is fresh content. So I think mm. it's really important that people have to actually understand that this is something new is something completely different to what you've normally done yeah um and you've brought fresh content from subject matter experts yeah to the table and for me it was a little bit of a a strange decision to make because i'm trying always to be contemporary in my approach to communication 
and a magazine seemed like an old-fashioned idea. It did. Yeah, like, I know when you first mentioned yeah. it and you go, oh, yeah, I don't think I will. And I thought, what the hell long that's going to take? Yeah, <laughs> you know me too well. Yeah, so this, it seemed like an old-fashioned idea until we thought about it in a contemporary way and we recognized that an, an emag could have links. And when you can add yeah. links to something, suddenly it's more than just the words on a piece of paper. And yeah. so many, like, tech, I've got shelves full of textbooks, which I know now are 80 to 90% outdated. Yes. But if there were links in there to a resource where that information is constantly being updated suddenly those books become more valuable. So I'm hoping that uh, the magazine will have some, have an evergreen kind of nature to it, that it won't yeah. just be each edition is now old old news. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, you know, the CMA, CA Mag. And then, of course, the thing that we've been working towards for a while now, but it's taken me the longest to get up happening, is the our online training. So we just filmed our first online course, which is, which is a rec- video recorded version of one of our face-to-face one-day courses. Um, and that's... Been that's, purely off yeah. the back of the demand, people okay. are asking for it. You that's know, just, very exciting. And we held yeah. off on that because I'm a big believer in you know the real value happens face to face. Especially because um, you were talking about tactile. It's a manual therapy. Yeah, it's manual yeah, therapy. That's yeah. right. So, so I held off on it, but you know there was an overwhelming um, demand from. We capture feedback at the end of every course, and I go through it with a fine tooth comb. And there's always people in every course asking, "It'd be great to have some video resources for us okay. to refer back to." Okay. And say, "Oh, actually, yeah, I remember that technique. I'd forgotten about it. Now yeah, I, yeah. I can see how you did it." So for the people who have done courses, we'll be able to access those things. People who live just too far away to get to these things but want to have yeah. you know, a reasonably good quality resource yep. to refer to it that, that may then justify them to go and do something later on and may yep. not. So for um, listeners overseas, um, mm. if you get a picture of the globe and look at how big Australia is, Sean literally travels around all the capital cities. I think mm. you've done all the capital cities in And Australia. a lot of the regional areas too, yeah. And you're now starting to reach out to the regional areas over this last 12 months as well. But there's people who are still just that... Too far a distance yeah. to come in and, and to do a course. Now, outside of Australia, everyone knows Australia is a long way away. Yep. Inside Australia, to travel anywhere is a big deal. You yes. Know, yeah. It can be a big deal. To put that in perspective for people, is it like at the at the end of the uh, episode, I'll go through some of the countries that have tuned in because I always like to thank the countries, people from the countries that have, have tuned in. But So as an example, I took the family on a road trip a few years ago and it took us... Uh, three days of solid driving to get to my original hometown. Right. Another three days driving to the base camp we wanted to get to, and there's still another thousand kilometres to get to the tip of Australia. So that's from, <laughs> so not including Tasmania, which is the island off the south of Australia, which is part of part of Australia. So just from the mainland, from one end to the other, you're talking a couple of weeks of solid driving. Yeah. And you're still in the same country. That's <laughs> right. So, the, so it's it's a big place. Yeah. Um, and look, the, to be honest, the, you know, some people complain about travel for work and other people get find it really tedious. It's only been a couple of years for me, but I love it. I love seeing yep. different parts of the country, even if I'm working while I'm there for the majority of the time. Yep. I get to meet people and have and get different perspectives and different viewpoints on things. Yep. From one side of Australia to another, from one state to the, to the, to the neighboring state, people are different. The culture is different. The, it is, their experiences absolutely. are different and yep. I love it. So... Um, it's been a real blessing for me in the business to be able to go from Melbourne to all these other places and, and kind of meet the people. It's been really good. That's great. Mm. So, so yeah, yeah. The, I guess the, there's all these things. We've got these like a, a tent, these tentacles coming off the hub of our business that are all these different um, parts of the ecosystem that I'm constantly growing and evolving and I love every bit of it. Um, sometimes they get my full attention, sometimes they get a part of it, yep. um, but it's always moving forward. Uh, and I think that the the thing that has surprised, I think 
the, when I look at the feedback from our customers, and I think this is useful for anybody in any industry, not just this one, um, the feedback is always, well, you guys are doing so much and you're giving so much. And I look at it and I go, well, not really. We're just doing it in a lot of different ways. Some people will just yes. go, I'm just going to run courses and they'll do it every weekend of the year yeah. for the rest of their life. We do that to a degree, but we, we just try to package it in as many ways as possible so that people can find it in a way that suits them. Yeah. Uh, and that seems to be working really well for us. That in conjunction with creating so much free stuff that people don't have to be cynical about the fact that who are these people that are going to charging a few hundred dollars to come yeah. to one of their one day courses. There's no question because we've demonstrated that it's worth it ahead of time. Yes. That's been the goal always. Okay. Yeah. And so it's clearly something that's part of your marketing strategy which is to provide value and build that trust and build that relationship prior to people coming to one of your courses. Yeah. And I, and I almost feel bad saying it's a marketing strategy. It is. But at the same time, it's almost a life strategy. We do it with our patients. If I yep. can demonstrate enough value during the, the consultation with my patient, when it comes time for me to then charge them that $100 or whatever it is I'm going to charge them for the session, yeah. they'll never balk at it. They'll never kind of question it. In fact, most people don't even ask what the fee is. They just hand the card over. Yep. And if they don't ask, then I've done a good job. Yep. Because I've demonstrated that whatever I'm going to charge them is reasonable. Yes. So I'm trying to do that with, with CEA as well. I'm trying to demonstrate that we are worth it and that when we offer a course up, price shouldn't come into it because we've demonstrated that it's going to be valuable enough. Yep. And it's going to provide value back for them to use back into their clinic. Mm, that's right. It has to be usable. We don't teach anything that we don't use ourselves. Yep. And we don't promote anything that's not either ours or something that we re- really value on and use yep. and trust. Um, and nothing you haven't tested or used in your own clinics as right. well. That's Noting right. that Kaz also has her own clinic as well. That's right. She uses all this stuff too. So yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think there's a big difference because you do see people and, I, and maybe not so much in the professional development space but I've definitely seen lecturers and colleges who actually don't have any experience they've done a course yeah and they've just gone straight into teaching yeah and they don't have a clinic they don't even do part-time work and the depth of experience you ask them a question and I've seen this play out um, where I've talked to other therapists and they go yeah I'm, I've gone back and I'm extending my studies I mean how's it going they go oh, the lecturer doesn't know anything um, you know they actually don't they've never had a clinic and I'm there yeah. going so how's that working for you? You've been out for 20 years. Yeah, and that's they, right. And they're going, well, it's not going good. <laughs> um, There's an old saying that those who can't do, teach, yeah. which is a bit of a sad situation. If, if people are believing that, then you know they've obviously had the wrong teachers because yeah. you know, the, the teacher should be the one guiding you. Yes. You know, in like your, your business leadership, sensei, sensei roughly translated means he who has gone before, right? Yes. It's not a teacher. It's someone who's actually done it. Yeah. And can show you how they did it, how you could maybe do it better. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that um, as a teacher, I'd be a complete fraud if I wasn't teaching things that I believed in and actually using. Yes. Um, and I have applied and tested yeah. and and that, look, there's always going to be, I guess, new emerging technologies that you you may not have tried. But I think that's I know in my industry, if people ask me a question that I don't know the answer to, I'll just be honest. Yeah. Say, look, I don't know. Yep. I've heard this, and this is where you know some of the industry is now moving towards, but I haven't actually used it myself. That's right. And I think that's really important to have that transparency there, so people are aware of where your skill sets lie. Because if you if you're sound and you're solid in your skill set, they don't care. Yeah. They actually they actually appreciate the fact that you're being honest with them and saying, hey, that's look, right. I'm not too sure. I can find out for you. Yep. Or you can normally, when you're networked well, you can direct them to someone who actually has used it and. Like you said, if you're providing enough value, yeah, up front, up front, yeah, they'll come back. Yeah, and that's trust. And I had an interesting, great example of what you're talking about there. It just happened this week. 
So I, I announced to our community in a, in a soft way, I guess through Facebook and our, our Facebook page, that I have an intention to create a, a course around electrotherapy. Yep. It's an area that I've got a bit of an interest in. I don't have a huge amount of knowledge. I have a little experience and a little knowledge. I've taught it at a very basic level, but I can't say that I'd be happy to run a course on it and hang my hat on it and say that's a good quality course right now. Yes. But what I did was announce it to a bunch of people, say that I need to do some more research first, I need to develop it and evolve it over time, but my intention is to run this course. With that honesty up front to say that I'm not ready yet, but that is what I plan to do, I was overwhelmed with how many people said, I'm ready, sign me up, as soon as it opens, let's go. Even though I'd told them, yeah. I don't have the knowledge yet. I've got to put a lot more research into it myself. I've got yes. to use it in my clinic more than I do now. I've got to yeah. test it and try it and test it and try it and test it and try it and then create the course. Um, and I was blown away with the trust that I got up front from people, Yeah. even though I told them I'm not ready. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. There's that level of transparency and honesty. It goes a long way. Yeah, but that wouldn't have happened unless we'd given away so much value up front. Yes. Right? Yeah. So... Um, that's yeah that was just even more evidence for me that we're, we're doing something in the right order at least yeah mm. and in, it's not just that you're giving a lot of stuff away either it's, i've noticed that uh, a lot of your stuff in social media has shifted the way you do that it's definitely a lot more effort going into making your social media engaging so one of the things that i've seen more recently is that you put a lot out is your anatomy riddles ah the anatomy nerd riddles yeah yeah i guess this how's is, that work how's, that, this how's is, that working for explain you explain the anatomy nerd riddle yeah. And, and the strategy, I guess, behind why I'm doing it is, is probably of most valuable people listening to this. So the anatomy nerd, so I'm forever trying to create content for my Facebook and Instagram feeds that are engaging, interesting, and sometimes funny because you don't always have to be serious in any industry. And sometimes to get that engagement, you've got to do something a little bit different. And in our industry, it's, it can be particularly stale. People do usually one or two or three things, which is they'll... Uh, post an ad or promote something yeah. within their business. They'll post a, a video or write an article or something that's educational. Here's how to do this stretch. Yeah. Here's how you do this exercise. Uh, or some combination of those things and it sort of goes on a loop. And when I sit back and look at these things, I think, well, how, you know, everybody's doing this the same stuff. Surely that's not a good strategy to do the same thing as yeah. everyone else. So occasionally I would make funny memes. I'd do you know, little riddles. I'd do bits and pieces. And then I come up with this idea of one day of, of creating a series of pitches that when you figure out what those pitches mean in, in unison, they form a word. And so, for example, um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my off the top of my head, like the muscle piriformis. I would take the word like peri at the start, and I'd find someone whose first name was Perry, yeah. and then I'd find a picture of a form with a you know a pen and a paper, and that was form. And then I'd put the word the letters I S. So per, per, you know periformis. And then people would join those pitches together and come up with the solution. So yep. this became the anatomy nerd riddle. Yes, I think it's going well. Right, so we're now at probably about 70 riddles for wow. s- for 70 days straight. So my we had one or two of them that went quite well. And then I thought, you know what? Again, tr- try to break the mold, try to do something different. Nobody does anything every single day of the week. Some people will produce everything on a Monday. Yep. They'll do throwback Thursdays. They'll do you know whatever, cheap Tuesdays or something like that. I'll produce a riddle every single day for as long as I can, and we'll see how we go. So I announced to everybody, all right, these anatomy nerd riddles are coming up every day, 12.30 p.m. Melbourne time, every single day until I run out of steam. Uh, And then, of course, people are looking for them. uh, They're waiting Mm. for them. And then at 12.30 every day, I schedule them into Facebook so they come out automatically. Within 90 seconds to two and a half minutes, they're answered. 
every night, day without yeah. every day without fail. There's been one I think that nobody answered. I shared it on Instagram and somebody answered it. So basically, everyone has been solved so far. Yep. Um, but to date, I think we're at, yeah around about seventy riddles, seventy days in, uh, and I have no intention of stopping soon. Okay. So again, trying to challenge myself, trying to put pressure yep. on myself to do something a little bit differently. Um, and everywhere I go now, every state that I teach in, I always ask the question to the group where I'm, so who, who sees the anatomy nerd riddles? And there's always 50% of the room will put up their hand and go, yeah, these are great. I love them. Yeah. Uh, something so silly and fun and completely yeah. a little bit sideways from what our, from what others in our industry might be doing. Um, but they're having an impact. So yeah. just another way of creating brand. Absolutely. And it, it's not so much about creating value. That's really about creating brand now, isn't it? So creating mm. awareness around who you are, but also... In many ways, it again builds that relationship yep. with you because they get insight into how you think and your sense of humor. And when people finally do sign up to do a course with you, they feel that they know you. That's a huge thing. Yep. And people walk into the room and they'll say, hey, Sean, how you going? Here, check my hand. Like we're old friends and it's yep. the first time I've ever met them. But you can tell in their eyes that they feel like they're comfortable, they're yep. connected, there's something there. And that's been amazingly rewarding. Yeah. And it also improves the morale and the, uh, the you know, the, the level of comfort in a classroom yeah, exponentially. So that's been really a big surprise, something I've learned along the way that doing these little things and letting people see under the hood of your business, yep. letting people see under the hood of your personality, showing them the less polished version of yourself yep. and through social media, it's a great way to do that. Um, showing them that you're human and you're normal and you're just like them um, reduces that barrier to you know cynicism and lack of trust and things like that. Yeah, and... Part that I love about that too is that that level of congruency that you bring to what you do. So like you said, you can show people underneath the hood and I think social media particularly is notorious for only showing the good parts. Yeah. So, you know, it's the shots of the beach, it's the shots of, you know, the the, the plates of food at certain Your restaurants. Best clothes on and, with the makeup and the, yeah, yeah, all yeah, all the lighting's stuff. perfect. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, they very rarely show what's really happening in someone's life. It's just mm. the good stuff and people then get depressed because everyone else is going, oh, what, you know, am I missing out on that? Or I'm not as good as them. And they don't actually see what's really happening in their life. But with what you bring to the table is that level of congruency around, hey, this is who I am. I actually do have a sense of humor. And, you know, I, I do know this stuff and I've done this, I've done this stuff over here as well. And I guess part of that, what has hit, brought that home for me is that, you know, there's a particular international best-selling author that I happen to, have bought probably nine or so of his books. Mm -hmm. Great author, you know, great content in his books that he's brought out. And, you know, he had the opportunity, I think actually we might have gone together to see see him speak live. Mm. And when he spoke live, I was completely underwhelmed. Right. I thought, yeah, not the nice guy that I probably thought that he may yeah. have been. Yep, yep. You know, so you read the story through his books and he creates this I guess the picture, and yes. and we all create a picture of what that person may look like, no matter who they are, mm. through our own filters and our own lenses. And then when you meet them face to face, you go, mm. disappointed. I was disappointed, absolutely. Yeah. But when people meet you, they're going, I know Sean. Yeah, yeah. And at, at this point, because there's been so much transparency, I feel like I could come out and say just about anything. Yeah. And I wouldn't lose too much of that. I don't know, understanding, mutual respect, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, because I ha haven't painted a picture of someone being up in an ivory tower because it's not who yeah. I want to be anyway. No. Um, and so many in the academic space, people paint themselves into that into that ivory into that academic ivory tower and into a corner. 
Like, yeah, I can't come out and show you anything but perfect. Yes. Because you'll lose respect because that's the picture I've given you. Yeah. And I think in any business, when you start portraying yourself as a brand, uh, and that's essentially what I've done. I've between Caroline and I, we've made a decision that I will be the forward-facing person within the business. Yeah. We're both pushing it and managing it and driving it, but one of us has to be the face and I guess that it just made more sense for me to do it because I was happy to. Yes. So when I put myself out there, I had to do it in a way that was where I was congruent with who I am um, and when people meet me in a, in a classroom, they go, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Yep, that's who I expected and I'm silly. I tell stupid dad jokes in a class and everyone yep. kind of you know teases me at yep. times and they're happy to do that because they feel comfortable to do that and I wouldn't yep. have it any other way um, and they can poke fun at me and I can poke fun at them and, and everyone learns better when they're more comfortable. So that's always been the goal. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's true. Mm. So the last 12 months has been a big 12 months for you. Huge. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced in that time? Yeah, I guess one of the biggest realizations was that I'm not great at everything, which I've always known, but I've been unwilling in a lot of cases. Hard to admit. To, well, hard to admit and then hard to do something about. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So there's been a lot of things that I've been able to muddle through with okay, for example, the management of the finances of a business. Okay. I'm okay at not losing money. I can make the business make money, that's okay. But tracking and recording and keeping you know, keeping a record of yeah, where yeah. the money's going and where the numbers, what the numbers are and tracking the, the numbers side of things. I've never been great at the systems of that. Yep. Um, which is when you and I had a business together, that was your role because you yeah. are much better at that. Actually, I, I had an um, executive coach tell me, you're the systems guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there going, Mm, yeah. Funny. Yeah. How did you pick that out? Yeah, thanks for yeah. sharing. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely an ideas guy. Yeah. And I'm an implementation guy. Yes. Um, but a systems guy, not so much. So up to this point, I've been, like anything, you can manage it to a point. Yeah. Um, and, and then it becomes unmanageable. And I smelled that level of unmanageable okay. coming. <laughs> I could sense it's, it's wafted. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, I decided to put some systems in place and ask questions and go to other people for advice. And so now... You know, there's there's a lot. When I look under the 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 tech hood of our business, it's it blows me away how many layers there are to it now. Yeah. Um, and all the different systems and programs and apps and things that we have running in the background for this business to do what it wants to do and needs to do um, is enormous. And for a technophobe, which I I still count myself as one because when I mean, new techno technology gets introduced to me, I, yeah. I I step back and go, oh, do I really need to? Do I really want yeah. to? Um, so I've had to adopt a lot more of that than I would have otherwise. Yeah. Um, but it has made life a lot easier and I can uh, not have to double handle everything as much as I used to, okay. which is good. I'm still a long way of having my systems down pat. I still need to Im implement some more things, but um, that's been a recognition. Uh, I've definitely recognized in myself that that's something I have to improve on. Okay. Um, what else has and been... Are you outsourcing that? Some of it, yes. Yep. Um, so I have a number of uh, companies that I will go to for help with certain things. Graphic design, web-based stuff. I've got an accountant yep. on call. I can, you know, I just, it's a phone call or an email and I can get these things solved and answered really, really quickly. Yep. Um, and that's brilliant to be able to have those people. And I try to use local businesses for that reason. Yep. Because I like to be able to drive to their office. Okay. Like I said, I yep. like to ask questions. I learn through, I learn through yeah. questions. So when I want to set up a new section within our website rather than email through the specs I drive down to Yarraville the next suburb over yeah, yeah. And I sit down with the person and I show them the piece of paper with my sketches on it I say yeah. this is roughly what I want to do and they'll okay. go great leave it with me and I go back a couple of days later and they've got a, a prototype yeah. in place and I like that yep. um, so that's the little world that I've created around myself and the business um, 
outside of the systems and the and the technology that kind of drives it now i think the the other thing that i've struggled with or had to overcome has been um, trying to strike a balance between wanting to do everything all at once and being okay with having it play out over time so I've, i get big eyes yeah i have lots of ideas like for example our magazine and our online courses both of those started to come to fruition at the same time yeah and i had to make a decision to to hold off on the, the online thing there was more people involved in the magazine so i wanted to manage that first yes so i could sleep yeah and now now that launched today i can take the reins off that a little little bit yeah still encourage it to keep moving and re- get ready for the next edition but now shifts my time and energy and focus into the online stuff and and make that a goal for the next you know month or two it's very easy isn't it, when and i see this in other businesses as well where they have a lot of ideas and they want to implement everything all at once mm. or it may not be about implementing new ideas sometimes it's about doing a review of an organization and i see this probably more in a bit larger organizations especially in government departments where they want to review and and stabilize and in in an effort to do that they basically start writing policy and systems for everything right all at once yeah well people are still trying to do their job so people are trying to do their job plus all this extra work on in the background and actually burns them out right because they lose focus on the one thing that they need to get done next mm. yeah as opposed to just trying to do everything at the same time yeah yeah and so that was yeah i, I understand completely and that's that's been a challenge because like, like I said, I, I do get big eyes and I, I like to be creative and that's kind of why the anatomy nerd riddles exist yeah. and the magazine exists and all these other things that I'm doing because I, I bring out the creative side in the business. It makes it fun for me. Um, so being able to strategically say this thing first yeah, and then the next thing and then the next thing. But all the while, and this is probably where people get most um, surprised when they look and see how many things were going, all the while, every, every part of the business, every arm, every tentacle requires some effort constantly yes and it might not be 100 percent focus but the podcast the vlog the magazine the conference the workshops the retreats everything requires me to check in on it on a daily almost weekly, yeah. weekly basis at least yeah and if i don't it dies it just disappears yeah. and people and don't know about it it doesn't exist anymore yeah so i've got to be constantly pushing um and that is a challenge for me to turn off from to be honest yeah i'm not great at not being in business mode yeah so, you know, we're coming up to Christmas. Um, it's going to be holiday season for most people and people are taking time off work. I will take some time off of the amount of hours that I would normally put in. Yep. But I don't think there'll be a day that will go by where I won't think about something related to the business. And yes. it's not because I feel the pressure. Well, that's part of it. Yeah. It's actually just love it. Yeah. I don't feel the need to take a break. That might sound a little bit unhinged or unhealthy. <laughs> um, but... I get so much from it yeah. that I actually miss it when I'm not doing it. Look, that would that would probably sound unhinged if you didn't have other interests. And I know you actually do have other, in, yeah, other interests. It's true. Yeah. Mm. And you're probably as committed to those interests as you are to mm. your business as well. Yep. And look, for me, I've it's been funny how my um, friendships and relationships have gone over the years. I, pretty much all of my friends share some other interest with me that is related to something else. So for example, you and I have run a business together, both got an interest in health. I got into running and then through that sort of, we discussed things and you got into running. That definitely influenced me into into running, absolutely. And we both did martial arts together. Um, And then these, like we, a lot of my friendships evolve around these common interests in a number of areas. Over, over, just after New Year's, another friend and I are going on a a kayaking trip together. We also did martial arts together. He was also a business owner, I can guarantee. 
you know, the 10 hours that we'll spend in the kayak each day. You're talking business. Three or four of those hours are going to be spent talking about our businesses because we both love it. Yeah. You know, it's our businesses are a passion. He loves with a passion, you know, with all of his heart what he does and so do I. So why wouldn't we talk about it? It's like talking about another child. We'll talk about our families and then we'll talk about our business. So I find that a lot of the people that I gravitate to and the people I spend most time with have similar levels of intensity and in passion for the things they do. Yeah. Um, and that seems to be a good mix for me. So that's, I switch off from work, but I switch off in different ways. Kind of an interesting way. Yeah. yeah. It never really turns off, but it gets a little bit more balanced. Yeah. I don't know if this is the same for you. I'm, I'm assuming it probably is. I know from when I started getting into running and started doing the long, the long runs. Yeah. And like, I mean, I haven't run the distances that you have run. But it's that space to think too. It is. So while you're enjoying one passion, you're mm. actually thinking about something else. And yeah, you, for me, that's where I got a lot of ideas. And so one of the things I actually enjoy, and I had this in one of my past jobs, was I used to drive a lot. Um, and now I actually commute a lot because we've moved down to the coast. So when I'm in the car, a lot of people hate being in a car, but yeah, it's where I actually think. Yep. So I get that space to, like I, I put an audio book on, yes. I put a yep. podcast on, and I'll have a record a digital recorder beside me and that's when the ideas come into my head and I yep. record them and I write them in a notebook when I get to the other end. Same thing. My iPhone is full of audio messages to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, don't forget to, you know, you can write an article about this thing. Here's the topic. Uh, you know, yep. write a blog post about this. Da, 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 da. Well, not the only one. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And you, you, your car becomes a, a vehicle of learning. Like, I've, yeah, same thing. I've, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an ebook. Yeah. The radio barely comes on anymore unless I'm only going down the street. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think we both have a similar approach to, to time well spent. Yeah. And, and making the best use of it. And like I said, that university of the car is great because a lot of podcasts, well, actually I think all podcasts, I don't know if anyone's have to pay for, mm. um, but I learned so much from those and, and the books, you know, are readily available now on audio book. You know, so you can listen to it while you're driving. That's right. And I know there are times, especially in traffic where I do need to focus on, on the on the driving and I probably don't hear as much of the book. But when I'm out in the freeway driving it's it's just on. Yeah. And you're learning all the time. That's right. No, there's you just gotta be creative in the way that you use your time and I like I I think you and I probably have very little dead time. You know, people would go, Oh, you yeah. know I have got to fill in three hours, I'll go and sit in a cafe and watch the world Oof. go by. Oof. You know, that kind of thing. No. No. There's always something useful. And it's not that you you know, I'm quite happy to, I can meditate. I can sit there and let my mind go away somewhere else. I can yeah. run and not listen to something. That's yeah. fine. I actually enjoy it. Yes. I'd rather use my brain than sit there and look at a TV. Yeah. Um, and, you know, some might say listening to a book is like watching TV with, you know, the kind of books I listen to fill my brain rather than take from it. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Um, I, I did get told once I should, I should try reading a fiction book. Right. <laughs> yeah. I used to read fiction books. I can't do it anymore. No. No. I haven't read a fiction book for years. No. Unfortunately, I don't know. Maybe fortunately, unfortunately, I know fiction books do allow people's imagination to grow and that's right. and to expand yep. and, and create a, a space. Mm. Um, There's benefit from that. There is, and I think everyone. It's probably a good strategy to have to have some kind of ability or some kind of space where you can be creative, mm. whether it be reading fiction to let your creativity come out. For me, it's writing. Okay, I get creative through writing, so I'll sit down and write an article about something, and I get. I use imagery and all this kind of thing and that's where I get to let that that side of me out but um, some people need to do it in different ways and I think that you just got to figure out what works for you yeah yep. and yeah and I think that's part of it too isn't it work plenty of what works for you then continuing to do it 
because if you don't plan, like you said, if, if you drop off one of those one of those mini tentacles, mm-hmm. then it drops off. That's right, and gets that leg doesn't grow back. Yeah, yeah, which is good. Yeah, so yeah, that's been it's been an interesting year. It's been action packed, and I'm, I think that's 2019 is probably just going to be more of the same. Okay, so let's talk about 2019. What have you got in the pipeline? Uh, 2019 is looking like it's going to be this ecosystem just continuing to grow. Yep. Um, so like I said, we've got our our second retreat, which is happening in Hawaii, which we're pretty excited about. Nice. That's at the end of April, start of May. Yep. Um, that's our big one. Um, the magazine will continue to grow, so we're looking to get four editions out each year. So every three, okay. every three months. So every quarter? Yep. You go by quarters or seasons or...? Uh, so sort of technical, I guess every three months. So the first one just came out and started December, so we'll go start of March, okay. April, May, June, yep. July, September, October, December again. Um, nice. So that they don't uh, cross over the, um, the end of the year too much. Um, and then, so the retreat, the magazine, we've got our, our dry needling conference, which will happen in July. Uh, we've, uh, the calendar's already, you know, six months of next year is completely booked up with every second weekend. I'm running a workshop somewhere in Australia. Um, and just continue to grow our audience so that we can talk to more people. So through the podcast, through the vlog, through all these different things, just try to get to more and more people and share what yeah. we're all about. Mm. That'd be great. Yeah. That's good. Any tips you can give to business owners? Because I, th- I, I do believe there's a misconception around people who have a job yep. and they want to start their own business. Because you know, that's, you know, the, even the term entrepreneur is a rather sexy term these days. Yep. Everyone's an entrepreneur. Mm. Um, I didn't even know it was a thing. I ran into a guy, I think probably one of the, the meetups we went to, and I said, oh, so, so what do you do? He goes, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Right. I didn't know that was a job title. Like, yeah. Apparently it is these days. It's, yeah, yeah. It's literally a job title. And they go, oh, so what do you do, mate? Yeah. By entrepreneur, he might mean unemployed. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, because a lot of entrepreneurs are. That's right. Because they don't realize how just damn hard it is to... Yeah. The, the momentum it takes to get a business going mm. is one thing, but then the momentum it needs to continue to grow that business is just off the planet. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's funny. You, know, you watch old movies, and there'll be two people out on a date in the movie, and yeah. the, the woman might say to the man, "So, what do you do for work?" And he go, and he'll say, oh, "I'm between jobs right now." Now, if he was to say, oh, "I'm running a startup," yeah, that, they go, "Oh, wow, this guy's yeah. going to be the next tech guru from Silicon Valley or something." Yeah, you know, it's it's a different perception. It's the same story, but it's a yeah. different different name or a different thing yeah. that you hang on it. So, um, yeah, you're right. You know, anyone can be an entrepreneur, but can you be a successful one? Yes, is the question. Um, and I think that, yeah, as far as advice goes, look, it's, you've got to make sure that you're doing it for the right reason. And you've got to figure out my, my thing for me, like people often ask me, oh, would you like to um, get involved in this thing or that thing? Or would you ever buy into this business? Or would you like to own a massive clinic chain or something like that? No. Uh, because unless I'm hundred percent passionate about the thing, I can't see myself getting up excited about it every day. Yeah, so I wake up part. in the morning it doesn't matter whether I'm tired or not if I wake up uh, almost my first thought is oh great I get to do this today Yeah, I'm excited about what I've got coming up because I created that thing Yeah, and I'm in, in control of it at the same time it could die at any moment but it will die because of something I did not because something else yeah. someone, else, someone else did um, so whatever you're doing figure out a way to do it passionately and do it with all yeah. of your heart and do it in a way that matters to you first Yep. and then in a way that then you can bring value to other people for or with yeah. Um, so yeah basically figure out what what matters most to you and then try to do do something around that rather than chase the money 
just want to touch on that one of those points you just made about um, being passionate about what you do, but also the way that you talk about building your brand. And you just touched on there, like the business, like a lot of businesses do fail. And I think that's something that people do need to be aware of when they start a business, that the chances are it, it, it may fail. Yep. But what I've noticed a lot of the work that you've been doing, especially over the last 12, 18 months, is that while you're building a brand, you're also building a presence, an online presence of your name. Yeah. So your 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 name and persona become synonymous with your brand. Yes. But if that business was to fail, your persona and the value that you bring as a person mm-hmm. and your integrity and congruency as an individual yeah. will remain in the market. That's right. So there's a, a saying I like around, you said the businesses can, you know, a lot of them fail. Someone likened it once to being like a gladiator. Yeah. You, know, you go into the ring, the longer you play the game, the higher it's the chances yeah. of you dying. <laughs> yeah. If you, yeah. Every day, your chances of, of being killed are higher yeah. right, in business. And that's basically it, it how it goes. It feels like that, doesn't it, sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. And it's the truth. You know, the percentages of people that succeed in business decrease over time. Yeah. Um, that's a fact. You can't argue with that. So that is something to be aware of if you're thinking of starting a business. Um, but are on the, the point of, you know, having a business and then having a brand, I liken having a, a personal brand as kind of bomb-proofing your career. Yeah. So the world, you know, economically can collapse at any moment and, and the money might be drained out of your business because people aren't willing to spend on that thing that you're selling at that given time in, yeah. in economically. Um, but if your reputation is bigger and, and stronger than the, the business itself, you can take that reputation and put it somewhere else. It yes. might be going back to work for somebody else. Yeah. It might be pivoting a little bit and starting a different business that services the community in a way that they do need at that time. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, your brand can go away too yeah. if you make poor decisions around your your integrity. Yeah. For yeah. example, it may not even be your integrity, maybe who you align with. Mm. So you mentioned before, um, you've talked to a couple of different companies and they said no because it didn't align to their marketing right. strategy. Mm. And so that may be a good example of that where they go, well, actually, yeah, what they're doing is great, but it's not really aligned to where I want to take my business. Correct. Because your market trusts you to deliver a certain thing. Yep. And sometimes that shiny bright thing over there, which may be, sound good and look good for yep. their market, may mm-hmm. not particularly suit yours. That's right. And yep. you may breach the trust of your market by doing that. Yeah, exactly. And the, the value that you create in your brand can be enormous. It can be the driving force behind your business. Look at Richard Branson, right? So yeah. Virgin, his business is multi, multi-billion dollar yep. business and he has all these different directions that he takes it yep. and pretty much he could open up a, a, a branch within any industry and it would yes. almost definitely go well yep. partly because of his brand partly because of his strategy and the way he does things yeah. his, his business structure um, but his his personal brand around his name is so strong that people automatically put trust to it Yes, and it's because of the way he's carried himself now if he was to go out and present himself let's say he ran for for, um, uh, for a political party Let's say he wanted to become the president, for example. Yeah. There's someone else. <laughs> who would have thought that? That's right. There's someone else in a similar position at the moment who yeah. may have had a strong brand at a, at a certain point in his career. Yes. But since that time, his personal brand has, has struggled a lot mm. because of the way he's carried I would, himself. I would agree. Right. Now, for him to go back into business in the private sector, he's going to struggle in some ways because his brand has been tarnished. There'll be certain people that will have seen him in a certain light and go, yeah. you're not the person for me. Yeah. And so the way that we carry ourselves in our personal life, in our professional life, all impacts our personal brand. But if we do that with congruence and we do it with the right intention from the beginning and we do it with the right meaning and the right heart and all that kind of thing, 
um, then our brand, basically our personal brand can bomb proof our career Yeah. because you'll, it's like a shield yeah. that protects you from it. You'll never be sheltered completely, but you can use it to shield you from the full yeah. impact of certain situations. Absolutely. Mm. I, look, I was in a, in a, in an employment situation for a long time in a college where that position disappeared from out from underneath me instantaneously. Yeah. And I was lucky enough that I developed good relationships over 15 or so years in the lead up to that time that I could draw on those relationships because of the personal brand that I had. I didn't call it personal brand at the time. I didn't know what it was. It was just people knew me and I knew them. Um, But they'd come to trust me so that in a very short space of time, I was able to go into a new role without any question, without any, there was no job interview. It was just, Mm. I made a phone call and a position appeared in front of me. Yeah because of the personal brand that I developed. So that kind of thing demonstrated to me that having a, a forward-facing personality in your business yeah. can be a value, but it's not for everyone. No, Not everybody is able to or comfortable to put themselves in front of the business. When you look at a company like Nike, everyone's heard of Nike, the shoes. Yes, true. And very few people know who the owner of that company is. If you know footwear history and you're interested in that stuff, you yep. might know the, the Phil Knight story and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, look at you know any big brand that we know as um, Steve Jobs behind Apple, but do we know who the CEO is now? I think a lot of people probably wouldn't. No. Um, at the time, he was the personal brand in front of the professional he brand. Was, yeah. But you don't have to do it that way. Mm. So if, if it's in you to do that, then it can be useful. Outside of that, you then have to create a very uh, strong professional brand so that that professional brand can weather the yeah. storm. Absolutely. Mm. I totally agree. Well. We solved some problems of the world tonight. I think we have. Where, <laughs> where can people find you and where can people touch base with you? At my house. That's where I live. Absolutely. Yes. So oh, you I'm, mean online? Online. Okay. Uh, CEAustralia.com is the website. CEAustralia.com. Yes. Um, that's the website. You can find me on YouTube at CEA TV, on the podcast at CEA Audio. We've got CEA Mag. Everything's got CEA at the front of you. You want to pick up on the theme. Now, Funny about that branding, right? Absolutely. So yep. CEA Mag, they can access that through your website. They can. Yep. Or can they go directly to the Mag? Does it does the Mag have a? It's hosted on our website. Okay. That's where you'll find it. There's a tab on all our CEA websites there, and that's all for free. That's right. It's all for free. Um, you'll find most of the stuff we do is for free. Um, look, there's there's so many things. Probably the website is the best place to find it. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're thinking that, hey, look, I don't have a manual therapies business, or I'm not interested in having a manual therapies business, you may just want to have a look at what Sean's doing and model his approach. Uh, Cause there's a great approach. It's doing great things for his business. There's also, as, as Sean mentioned, it's stuff that he's modeled off other people as well. So the whole concept of adding value to people, creating an ecosystem is not just uh, Sean off in Yaya land. It's actually stuff that works, has been tested, it's proven and it's working really well. And not only is it working well for Sean and your business, it's actually adding a whole lot of value for people in the community. Yeah. And look, I'm happy to talk to anyone in any industry about this stuff. As you can probably tell by the length of this episode, yeah. I'm quite happy to talk about it. Yep. So feel free if you're in manufacturing, if you're in construction, if you're <laughs> yeah. in whatever, and you just want to, th- is something in this conversation struck a chord and you go, oh, how could I use that? I'm more, more than happy to be a sounding yeah. board for you and we can chat about it. So reach out. Thank you. So look, thanks again, Sean. Thanks for coming along. Uh, Thank you for being part of the show for the second time. Well, quarter of a century. I want to be in there for 50, 75, and 100. So that, that's the plan. That's the plan? Yep, so that's All the right. plan. So, um, okay, and so this is episode number 25, and I'm 
my plan is to have it out for the end of the year. Okay. Um, so that'll get me 25 episodes for our first year mm-hmm. on out in the podcast lane. Um, so thank you to all the listeners out there. And I will go through some of the countries that um, have tuned in. So Australia and the US are, are my biggest listeners. So thank you very much to all the listeners out there from the US and Australia. Um, I've got the Republic of Tanzania. So if you're listening from Tanzania, Tanzania, wow. thank you for listening in. Um, I've got Turkey. I've got Kazan, Kazan from the Russian Federation. I've got Kazakhstan, India, Morocco, Cambodia, Iraq, Brazil, the UK, Belgium, Mexico, Argentina. Oh, I didn't know you spoke all these languages. I, I speak them quite well. Um, Uzbekistan, Spain. Hong Kong, the Dominican Republic, Saudi Arabia. The list goes on. It is. It's uh, Colombia, Canada, Ukraine, Honduras, Qatar. Wow. So if that's impressive, Brett. Thank, thanks, Sean. Also, <laughs> uh, from any of those countries, and for those that I have have, have missed, because I know there are other countries I have missed because mm. of. I do check those stats every week. Um, thank you so much for making the podcast a success this year. I look forward to you joining me again next year. Uh, if you found this of value, please share it. Um, you know, hit the like button, share it with your friends. And if you're getting value of it, you know, share it with someone that you think will get value from it as well. So thank you again. Until next year, have a great Christmas. Have a happy new year. Um, if, the, if they are the celebrations that you celebrate in your particular country. Yeah. Um, If not, we'll see you in the new year. Have a great new year, everyone. Catch you next time. Thanks a lot, and uh, take care. Cheers.